Welcome to Puppet Hunt Radio with Matt and Lane. I'm Lane. I'm... Go ahead. I'm, I'm Matt. I'm Lane. So, this is our, um, our third and final from the original Trove. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'd call it even a Trove yet. I mean, that's kind of what I'm, I'm aiming for, but... And I'm frustrated because I feel like we're we've been putting this out there, we've been getting the word out, we've been saturating social media as much as we're able to, and and yet like we're not getting, we just keep getting the audio cassettes that have music on it or blanks. Uh, oh, we just got another like, another like. Well, that doesn't get us any closer to having more episodes. So um, please, 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 if you're listening to this. Just scour those basements, the attics, ask your friends, go around. I mean, wherever you Rush might. sales. If you know a place where people have an audio like collection, especially reel-to-reel tapes like radio stations and stuff. I mean, wherever you are, just if you, if you enjoy this show, drive up to your local radio station and say, do you mind if I go through your library and see if there's old reel-to-reel tapes of a show and called I Puppet Hunt? your garage. Well... That's what you'd say. I'm not asking you that. I'm just saying if people are going around, especially in the Pacific Northwest, go to your neighbors. Just say, can I look through your garage? Can I look through your bedroom? I need to look for some tapes. Anything that gets us closer. All right. So uh, here it is. Happy to present A Monkey's Uncle. Ladies and gentlemen, before we start this week's episode of Puppetant, I'd like to share with you a few words about Larry Sue. When you start to feel that certain feeling in your palate, keep your mouth and throat feeling fresh and moist with Larry Sue, the brand Grandpa swears by. You bet I do. Larry Sue contains only the finest scientifically tested chemicals, oils, and yellowing agents to keep your tongue and palate free of dryness and flaking. It doesn't cake and clot like other major brands. One of life's greatest pleasures is having a smooth, pain-free epiglottis. You bet it is. Just a few tablespoons of Larisooth paste applied directly to your tongue will gently massage away your troubles while simultaneously sealing and protecting your esophagus. And for those of you with sensitive mouths, Lara Soothe is also available in a convenient powder. Yes, next time you need relief, reach for a king-sized tube of Lara Soothe paste. The brand Grandpa swears by. You bet I do. And now, Lara Soothe presents Puppet Hunt, Episode 3, A Monkey's Uncle. In the city of Large Neck, if a performer wants to be top banana, they better make sure they book the Shinola. Sure, if you're a ventriloquist headlining at Red's Herring or the Albatross Club or even the New Stool can make your career, but the Shinola Lounge, now that's altogether different. When I worked the Shinola for the first time, I thought I'd made it. But that's ancient history. That quist died with Jerry. I'm a PPI now. Name's Rock Handy. But I digest... For the first time, as the Saturday crowd settles into their seats, the headliner at the Shinola isn't a ventriloquist. One Miss Nancy Holstein and Emmy the Orangutan are backstage signing autographs, about to go on and become the first animal act in large neck history 
to get top billing at the Shinola. Funny how times change. We just love you and Emmy. When I saw you were playing here in Large Neck, well, I just had to get a ticket. Do you think I could get her autograph? My husband is such a fan. <laughs> oh my goodness, thank you so much. I can't believe it. I can't wait to tell Fred. Now, as I was saying, Miss Holstein... I appreciate the offer, sir, but I prefer to represent myself. It's important to me that I make it on my own. Gosh, Roddy Drake the Third, you're my very favorite magician, Mr. Drake. Would you sign my program, please? No more autographs. You there, get that baboon out of my way. He huh? gets my cards. <laughs> you did that on purpose. You'd better watch yourself, ape. If any of these are damaged, you'll hear from my lawyer. Nancy, for God's sakes, you're only two minutes. Oh. I'm losing my voice. Somebody get me a cold seltzer. Meanwhile, inside at the main stage, Large Neck's long-winded legend Ray Grimes makes the introduction. Yes, yes. Yes, wonderful. Let's hear it for this amazing gentleman. Uh, Charlie Cleft and his amazing arms. That's... Charlie cleft in his amazing arms. Now, that reminds me of a story. The illustrious Fern Wafley, who I'm sure the audience is familiar with. Some of you at least. Yes, well, uh, mi- yes. Well, Mrs. Wafley, who, by the way, was only one of a handful of ladies to serve overseas in the Great War. She was an infantry nurse in the Ardennes, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and quite a rare breed. I might add that this region of... Ray! Get to the main act, for God's sake! All right. I'm being told that... We need to move it along. All of us, uh, of course, recognize Mrs. Waffley wherever she may be. But now we must return to the matter at hand, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, straight from a sold-out show in our neighboring blister flats, the act you've all been waiting for, the simian sensation that... Marvelous Monkey, Emmy, and Nancy. The Beast knuckles out onto the stage dressed in an obscene imitation of some kind of ballet dancer, but with a ridiculous flower hat on. The audience eats it up, especially when she climbs onto a kid's tricycle and pedals it around the stage. Her trainer is made up to look like a jungle explorer. She has a natural stage presence and plays the crowd like a harp. Meanwhile, backstage, we find a more somber scene. The nightclub owner, Elmer Gloves Bland, paces the floor while my old pal Casper Brodsky plays bodyguard, keeping a watchful eye on the pair. He was my partner when we were both on the force and a pretty decent ventriloquist to boot, but now he makes his living as a budget-rate rent-a-cop. I can't afford any foul-ups here, Caps. I've got sold-out shows all weekend. 
For Pete's sake, shouldn't you be out in the audience? With these stage lights, you can't see anything. The killer could be out there right now. This just in. Cram it, Elmer. I don't tell you how to run a nightclub. I know my business. Thank you so much. Watch out, folks. Things are heating up. Does that ring of fire look dangerous? Not for this little daredevil. Let's be safe, Emmy, and strap on this crash helmet. Is that a real cannon? What bonehead signed off on that downtown? Oh, I can't watch. I'm so parched. Where's that stagehand with my seltzer? She's a bit gun shy. <laughs> Come on, Emmy, just like we practiced. What's the matter, girl? Suddenly, there's a whip-like snap and screams from the audience as some of the rigging above the stage comes loose, sending a 200-pound sandbag straight for the monkey trainer. Back in high school, Caps was an all-star running back, and it shows as he charges across the stage and makes a textbook tackle on the two performers, sending them out of harm's way. Unfortunately, Caps gets a sandbag to the head for his trouble. He crashes to the stage, flipping the cannon barrel up toward the ceiling where it goes off with a deafening bang, knocking out the lights. The audience takes this as a cue to leave. Animal acts. When will they ever learn? Busy typing up the notes on our last case, a puppicide with a little bit of larceny thrown in. <laughs> no one can say yours truly, Nicolio Salmon, has a dull job. Meanwhile, my partner Rock sits casually at his desk with a handful of darts and a half-eaten banana. He has chosen to spend his time perforating a promotional poster of one Roddy Drake III, a magician entertainer, or as he's billed, the world's greatest mesmerist. Not a fan, huh? Roddy Drake the fake? A certified grade A knucklehead. Even if he wasn't a magician, he'd still be a two-bit crumb. What'd he do? Steal your girl? Saw her in half? Or something? Ha! Three words, butternut. Magicians are not to be trusted. Entree, so vous vous play. I, uh, excuse me, I'm looking for the private investigators? She's a fresh-faced young redhead, and judging by her accent, she must have fallen off a nearby turnip truck. Probably from the Midwest, maybe southeast Illinois or southwest Indiana. It sure is a refreshing change from the heavy-set ventriloquists that are our usual clientele. As I stare at the spray of freckles across her nose... Her gaze comes to rest on my partner with what looks like recognition. She seems unsure of the situation, so I put her at ease. Nicolio and Salmon, private puppet paper, uh, vesti- 
I'm Mr. Butter... I'm sorry. I'm Nicolio Salmon, and this is Rock Handy. Uh, what can we do for you? Mr. Handy, Mr. Butter, I... Your agency was recommended by Mr. Casper Brodsky. He said you could help me. Caps? Cappy? Caps Brodsky? Casper Caps Brodsky? You know this guy, Rock? Friend of yours or something? We work together. In another life. Come in, Mrs... Miss Holstein. Please call me Nancy. And this is Emmy. <laughs> Imagine my surprise when into the office shambles a three-foot-tall hairy ape. The monkey is wearing a frilly flower-print dress and carrying a matching handbag. I notice Rock reach behind his back and silently tuck his half-eaten banana into the desk drawer. His eyes narrow in suspicion. Or is it fear? We stand awkwardly for a moment before I break the silence. Oh, please, ma'am, uh, miss, or ladies, take a seat. How can we help you? Well, Mr. Brodsky was working for me as a bodyguard. He saved our lives during a performance last night at the Shinola Lounge. We're both still pretty shaken up. He took a falling sandbag in the head, and now he's in the hospital with a concussion. It could have been much worse. I believe someone is trying to kill Emmy. Kill the monkey? Actually, she's... That's no monkey. This animal is a great ape. An orangutan. The name comes from the Indonesian words meaning person of the forest. These creatures are found only in the rainforests of Borneo and Sumatra. They are cunning and frighteningly intelligent. I'm impressed, Mr. Handy. How do you know so much about orangs? I served on the USS Kornblatt during the war, part of a multinational force when she... Went down. It's a long story. Let's just say I have first-hand experience. What makes you think someone would want to kill your orangutan? I, I haven't shown this to anyone else. But a few weeks ago, I received this note during one of our performances. You and your monkey had better mind your own bizzo. If you don't wise up, you'll wake up dead. Hmm. Did you say bizzo? Yes, sir. You see, Emmy and I have put together a pretty good act. Well, quite spectacular, if I do say so myself. We've sold out every show for months now, all over the country. Mostly little clubs here and there, but bigger venues are starting to show interest. Hmm. You mind if we keep this note? No, by all means, and I can pay your fee up front. She holds out a wad of dough as big as my fist, and I almost trip over my own feet getting to my desk for a pen. I was down to my last two bucks... And a steak dinner tonight sure would be swell. All right, then, Miss Holstein. Let's see. Could be another act. Uh, don't like your newfound success. I should check with the local clubs and see what that scuttlebutt is. And, hey, Rock, maybe you can pay a visit to Brodsky and get his story. Uh, sorry, miss. We can't help you. Give my regards to Caps. What? Can't help? What, what do you mean? You see that sign on the door? Handy and Salmon P.P.I. Well, one of those P's stands for puppet. So where's the puppet? Last time I checked, an orangutan is not a puppet. Well, of course not. I, I mean, that, that makes sense, I guess. But can't we make an exception? Uh, puppets, monkeys, uh, what's the difference, Rock? No puppets, no case. I guess we should go. It was nice meeting you gentlemen. I'm sorry to have wasted your time. Mr. Handy, will you at least tell me? Is this question puppet related? Come on, Emmy. Rock watches them leave, 
then takes his banana out of the desk drawer and resumes eating like nothing happened. Boy, am I steamed! I remember the note and start thinking it might be time to do a little freelance work on my own. Forget alphabetizing! I grab my coat and I leave the whole folder unfiled on my desk with the filing cabinet wide open! I'm gonna get some air. It's starting to stink in here. That's the monkey flatulence. It's all the roughage. When you get back, we'll need to go over the Gary Gaffar case. Oh, yeah? Well, don't wait up. Okay. Say, what's your hurry anyway? You got a hot date? Yeah, that's right. Tina Plotkin. You know her? Mm, Nix is right. The air in here is getting stale. Maybe it is the ape. Or maybe the ghost of my pastrami on rye I had for lunch. That Nancy dame looked familiar. I feel like I've seen her somewhere, but I can't focus. That ape brought back memories. Memories of things I thought I'd buried down deep. I draw up the window to let in some air. Maybe clear the cobwebs. Thunder rumbles in the distance and the air is electric. A storm is coming. Hmm. Nix forgot his umbrella. Where did he say he was going? Tina Plotkin. Plotkin. Pl- oh. You're late. Sorry. I got all turned around in the rain. I left the office in such a hurry I even forgot my umbrella. Tina Plotkin. I can't remember why it didn't work out with us, but it looks like that ship is sold. You'd think my partner would at least give me a heads up before making a move on my old girl. At least Nick's made the right choice in restaurants. Geppetto's Restaurant has some of the best Italian food in West Neck. Tina never could resist a good quarterhouse steak, and Giuseppe sure made him good. Miss Tina! This man bothering you? Go away, hobo, I tell you before, no come back here! I should have never given you that mustard. Shoo! Shoo! It's all right, Giuseppe. This is the gentleman I've been waiting for. Cello, this, this, drowning a rat? This is the, what do you call him, a... A grande virgin, Nicolo. A, a larger neck of virgin. <laughs> hey. Oh, please, sir, to have a seat. I mean no disrepress. I know Miss Tina for a long time, you see. My best wine all of the house. Hey, Benito. Vino a buena mercado. Now, Miss Tina, what can I get you? I'll have the porterhouse, please, Giuseppe. Thank you. Of course, a Miss Tina Plotkin, a porterhouse. Medium rare as usual, yes, and for you, Mr... Uh... Salmon. Salmon? Salmon, yes. Okay, and how do you like it? Grilled or... Sorry? You want the sorry salmon? No, I, I see. No, I'm the salmon. I mean, my, my name is Salmon. Your name is the Salmon? Ah, okay. You are the sorry salmon. I call you salmon, and you wanted the salmon. Maybe steamed? Nix. Nix salmon. No salmon. You no wanted the salmon. 
you're changing your mind. Okay. What do you want to eat? Uh, uh, I'll have, um, I'll have the salmon, please. And the Virginia Colo. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late. It was with the rain and the rain. Uh-huh. All right, I, I had to walk here. I ran out of gas and, well, well, we haven't had a case in weeks. No puppet-related crimes and my wallet's a bit light. <sighs> Don't worry, big shot. We'll go Dutch. Oh, no, I, I can... Your wine? Thank you. So, Rocky still won't take regular cases. Everything that guy does has to have a puppet in it. And I do mean everything, let me tell you. Say, wh what's the deal with that anyway? We had a perfectly good client come in today who needed our help. Really nice dame, redhead with beautiful eyes, and boy, what a figure. <clears throat> uh, what I mean to say is, she was a real deal. That handy frosts my mug. So what if she had a monkey instead of a puppet? Who cares? She's waving around a fat wad of dough, and he puts the kibosh on it. Wait, did you say monkey? Who was this client anyway? I was... Let me see, I wrote it down. Uh, Nancy Holstein, or the monkey by the name of Emmy, said someone's trying to kill her. Holstein, huh? I remember her from City Hall. She came by to get her performing permits. Dots all her eyes with little hearts. All the trousers at work were falling over themselves to get her a pen. And that monkey is an orangutan. No wonder he didn't take the case. Rocky's got a problem with orangutans. But that's another story. I'm all ears. Well, you learn a lot from pillow talk. Ask me some other time, Butternut. But I will tell you this. If you'll split that fee with me, I'll help you crack that case. You and I can form a temporary partnership. Excuse me, your salmon and your steak. Bon appetito! Mm, I don't know. You want to play dick? That's not like answering phones and getting coffee. Is that what you think I do all day? Listen, hotshot, I have connections. I work at City Hall. The chief of police, the mayor, Hall of Records, and you could use the help. What do you say, partner? <laughs> all right, all right. Say, let's have a toast to business or pleasure. Let's start with business, but we can keep our options open. By the time I make it to Pilchard Memorial Hospital, the rain is coming down in buckets. I pick up a bouquet of pansies at a stand near the entrance and check in at the front desk. Last time I was here was Jerry's accident. Or was it my cousin Edna's gallbladder surgery? Well, either way, those are memories better off left buried. Casper is in room 23B, but I hear his radio playing before I even get close. Caps is a bit hard of hearing, so he always plays his radio like he lives. Loud. Caps and I go way back. We studied ventriloquism together under the great Terence Rumley, and then went on to become partners. Large neck PD. Five long years. And in all that time, I've never seen him look so miserable. His neck is in a medical brace, and the top of his head is wrapped in so much gauze that it'd be comical if it weren't so pathetic. 
Sir Jennifer reminding you, citizens of Large Neck, to visit the Cannery District. Remember, we're living large in Large Neck. And now we return you to Especially your if your Large Neck is the one in a brace. Uh, real funny, Handy. You wouldn't be cracking wise if your head was all wrapped up like a cabbage. Take it easy, Frankincense. I brought you a get well present. Ready? Brace yourself. Eh, yeah. You're a regular fatty arbuckle, only I don't get the joke. But I'm in enough pain already. Any more of your humor and I'm gonna need a morphine drip. I dropped my soggy flowers into a vase on his bedside table and noticed the headline on his copy of this morning's trombone. Large neck goes ape for Emmy. Hmm. Seems like everybody in this city has fallen for that orangutan but me. Uh, here through the grapevine you've been babysitting a monkey. Ah, uh, not no more I'm babysitting. I came down with a case of sand and a bag on the head. And I'm pretty sure I got shot by a cannon. And this bodyguard business is above my pay grade. You got any leads? I didn't take the case, Casper. You didn't take... Look, Rocky, Jane needs some protection. If I wasn't stuck in here with this turban or this cabbage on, I'd be watching out for her still. Jane, that sandbag must have scrambled your brain. You mean Nancy. Nancy's her stage name. I mean Jane. Jane Rumley. Terrence Rumley's little girl. T Terrence? She didn't tell you, did she? And you didn't recognize her. Jiminy Christmas on a sidecar. What a snafu. You gotta go find her, Rocky. Terrence Rumley. He had been more than a mentor. He was like a father to me. He taught me everything I knew about ventriloquy. He died during the war when I was overseas. I knew he had a daughter, but she was just a kid the last time I saw her. So many questions. Why would she show up in the office unannounced a decade later with a trained orangutan? Why didn't she tell me who she really was? What is the difference between a monkey and a puppet? I thought she looked familiar. That orangutan! Why would the daughter of the world's greatest ventriloquist be doing an animal act? Terrence used to always say what a great quiz she was going to be. Rocky, you should know. I saw Roddy Drake slinking around backstage just before I got clobbered. He left before Jane started her show, but I think he came back. Hmm, sure it was him. How many people do you know who walk around dressed like a two-bit Dracula? That crumb! I'd love to kick the cards out of that creep. Yeah, he wasn't even doing a show that night, just hanging around backstage. When I asked what he was up to, he mumbled something about saying hello to some friends, and he slithered away. Friends? That's gotta be a lie. That fancy pants don't have no friends. So long, Caps. I better go mop this up. Rocky, she's got him with her. I saw him the other day. For the first time in years, he shines like a diamond, Rocky. Not a chip in his finish. He's... he's perfect. Wheezy chortle snort. You know Jane's got the gift, Rock. If someone could just convince her to stop all this monkey business. See you around, Caps. Butternut and I decided the first course of action was some good old-fashioned footwork. 
we decided to visit every venue from West Neck to the city limits. I had a hunch that Emmy's popularity had pushed somebody out of a job. Maybe pushed them enough to make them want to eliminate the competition. I send Nick's inside the Cahoots Club with a borrowed umbrella to ask a few questions. I stay behind to keep an eye on the door. I also take the opportunity to catch up on my favorite detective drama, Swift Justice. Hey, Ms. Saffron. Please call me Dahlia. Dahlia, I'm afraid this insurance policy isn't worth the paper it's printed on. Why, I don't understand, detective. I'm only... I uh, think you do understand. I... Uh... In fact, I'll go one better. I'll say you're practically an expert at understanding what I'm implying. Oh, and I suppose you're a saint. Saint Detective Lloyd Swift. Gee, that's rich. And just what is that supposed to mean? You know exactly what that means. But... Oh, my... Say! Get your hands in the air, the both of you. Lloyd, he's got a gun. Get behind me, Dahlia. No! I'm... I'm shot. Swift justice. Grab his cat, Dahlia. Now, let's just see who's hiding behind that mask. <gasps> Dr. Brisby? Same story as the other clubs. Only one animal act is booked. It's like an unwritten rule of those variety shows. We've got quite a long list of acts that lost out to Emmy and Nancy. You're telling me that you think some dog trainer would try and murder somebody just to have a better chance of booking a show? Hey, you don't work, you don't eat. People will do almost anything for dough if, uh... And just what is that supposed to mean? Oh, nothing. Say, speaking of money, we better get that dough before we get too deep into this case. Let's get to the Shinola then, Gumshoe. We can collect the dough and see what nice Nancy has to say. I'd also like to go downtown to City Hall and pull the permits on those acts. See who ain't eating. Funny. It's like I'm working for you now. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Those eyes! Like... like a devil's eyes! It was like looking into hell itself! Well, there's nothing here now. Why, you must have been dreaming. No! No, he was right here! Just as real as you are! Say, have you been drinking? I swear to you, it's true. You've got to believe me. Do you have the vapors? Maybe you're hysterical. Tina pilots her sensible Nash 600 like a speedboat through the deluge to Large Neck's premier venue, the Shinola Lounge. According to the Marquis, Nancy and Emmy are headlining a show later tonight at 9. She parks the car and we briefly meet each other's gaze. Tina Plotkin was turning out to be quite the competent investigator, but I find myself missing Rock's unwavering confidence and bombastic aplomb. We make a mad dash to the door, underneath a shared umbrella. We are met at the entrance by the club owner, Elmer Gloves Bland. Gloves owns several establishments in Large Neck, but the Shinola, that's his baby. Still raining out, I see. Welcome to the Shinola. We don't open until six. As you can see, we're setting up for tonight's show, so if you don't mind... Nicolio Salmon, uh, this is 
Miss Plotkin. Actually, we're here to see Miss Holstein. Friends of hers? She's a client of ours. We're, uh, private detectives. Nice badge. I'm Elma Bland, and this is Ray Grimes. A pleasure, I'm sure. Say, now this is very interesting. A lady detective, huh? Well, then you may be interested in this little anecdote. As the story goes, many years ago I had the pleasure and good fortune to attend the formal inauguration ceremony of the late President William Howard Taft. Yes? Well, during the evening prior to that illustrious event, our nation's capital was gifted with almost a foot of virgin snow. A proper blizzard, no less. Now, due to these adverse weather conditions, the ceremony was, was moved indoors, of course, to the Senate chambers. Unfortunately, our soon-to-be President Taft had made the untimely mistake of employing the services of a new barber that very morning. As fate would have it, the President-elect's usual barber, Bartholomew Rasp, was snowed in, and due to the incompetence of his replacement, a neophyte by the unlikely name of Goodwin Shear. President Taft's infamously enormous mustache was accidentally removed, shorn off in its entirety. The barber had to then glue it back on with spirit gum. You can imagine how that looked. Mr. Bland, I take it you're the owner. Call me Gloves. How can I help you, son? Is Emmy the only animal act on your bill? Uh, yeah. The old one animal act rule. It's a shame, too. We had a really unique pair I had to drop. Kangaroo Carl and Wally. Very unique act. You'll never guess what kind of animal Wally was. Kangaroo? That's right. Big one, too. Beady little eyes. Thighs like tree trunks. I mean the kangaroo, of course. Would you have an address for them? Oh, I'm afraid not. He came by to pick up his checks. Always brought the kangaroo with him. Large mustache and a cape. Carl, of course, not the kangaroo. I see. Thank you for your help. Where did you get that badge? I mailed off for it. I'm a Lloyd Swift Jr. detective. He's the bee's knees. Look, there's Nancy now talking to that stagehand. My goodness. Hello again. Mr. Buttermilk, was it? Salmon. Of Salmon and Handy. You can call me Nix. This is my associate, Miss Plotkin. We've uh, changed our minds. We'd like to help you. Oh, my. What a relief. Here, I still have that deposit. It's all there. I'm more than a little nervous about tonight's performance. Is Mr. Handy with you? Sorry, sweetheart. He doesn't like monkeys. It's a long story. You can call me Tina, by the way. One of us will stick with you until the show. You'll be safe with us. Don't worry. Uh, Miss Holstein, we'd like to ask you a few questions. All right, Mr. Nix. Tell me about the events of last night. Did you notice anything suspicious before the incident? Well, we spent the day setting up our props. The cannon needs to be set up just right. It's all a gag, to be honest. Just a stagehand pulling Emmy by a rope off stage and some flash powder, but... Emmy sure is cute in her little crash helmet. 
I tell you, the first time we tried that bit, the audience just loved it. So all these ropes and pulleys here, whose job is it to untangle this mess? Whoever had access to these ropes could have easily dropped a sandbag from up there above the stage. Eugene does all the rigging. He's new, but what a sweetheart. He's right over there. Hi, Eugene. Uh, hey, Miss Nancy. Eugene looks nervous, like he's hiding something. I glance at Tina to let her know I may have to make a move if things go south. Gosh, you look swell today. You the stagehand from last night? Yeah, that's right. What's it to you? This guy giving you trouble, Miss Nancy? I'm startled by this stagehand's gumption. But before I can register what's happening, Tina rushes forward, grabs Eugene by the lapels, shoves him up against the wall, and then quickly ah. backhands him across the face. I don't know if she's channeling the spirit of Rock Handy or Lloyd Swift. Either way, it's getting results. And I like it. Spill it, you two-bit crumb. Why'd you try and kill any? Sing before I dance a rumba on your face. Ah, okay, okay. Hey, he told me it was all part of the act. Ho, give me a name, oh, creep. I'm, I'm so scared, I don't know his name. An Aussie, I think, by the sound of him. Ouch, okay, careful. Those are my good suspenders. He said he, he worked for the club. He, he told me to untie that rope. Said that a giant banana was gonna drop down. You know, all dramatic, like. He said it was a new part of the act, and, and then the sandbag fell on that flat foot. I got scared. I didn't, I didn't try to kill nobody, I swear. What do you mean by Aussie? The Australian syndicate. The Aussies run Westneck. The syndicate have their fingers in everything from counterfeit puppets and drugs to gambling and prostitution. Counterfeit puppets? This is bad. If they sent a bloke after her. Miss Holstein, are you involved with the syndicate? Ever take out a loan or launder money? Are you a mall? Do you play the ponies? No, I... I don't understand. Austrians? Mobsters? Clean up your act, Eugene, or you'll be out of a job. Uh, Permanently. Oh, sure. Sure. Can I go now? Yeah. Now, get back to work, Eugene. Uh, Miss Holstein, you'd better stick with us for the time being. I'm finished here. I'll need to take a shower and get ready for tonight's show. I'm staying at the Double Triple Hotel uptown. I'll give you a ride. We just need to make a quick stop at City Hall. By the time we get to City Hall, the place is shut down. But lucky for us, Tina Plotkin has a key. Our footsteps echo as we make our way across the rotunda. My failing flashlight blinks on and off intermittently, casting long shadows of the marble pillars. We make our way to a small room and switch on the light, revealing a vast array of filing cabinets. Miss Plotkin efficiently locates the form we're seeking. Here we are. All animal acts in Lodge Neck need a permit, and we keep records of all those permits. Let's see. Huh. All these acts have one name in common. Charlton Vestibule. I know that man. Mr. Vestibule. We talked on the night Caps got hurt. He wanted to be my manager, but I turned him down. Hmm. Looks like you were the only one to turn him down. All of these acts are represented by Charlton Vestibule Variety Incorporated. Wait a second. Kangaroo Carl. Real name not listed. Hmm. Nationality? Australian. 
I'd bet anything this is the fellow we're looking for. Managed by Charlton Vestibule, 653 Fernwood Lane. I don't mean to rush you, but I need to pick up Emmy for tonight's show. Oh, nuts! The monkey! I forgot all about her. Where is she now? At my hotel, napping. We have a show at nine. The double-triple is two blocks from here. Let's go. Wait a second. I'll take that folder. Always re-alphabetize and never forget to refile. Now let's go. I like your style, Butternut. By the time we get to the double-triple hotel, Mother Nature was putting on quite a show. Thunder, lightning, the whole nine yards. The three of us rush from the car to the covered walkway and pause outside the door to Nancy's room. Seems the lightning knocked out the power, so I rattle my flashlight until it gives up some light. Then I shake off the rain from my umbrella while Nancy finds her keys. This rain just won't let up. Wait, the door. The lock's been smashed. Oh no, Emmy. Holding the umbrella like a club, I motion to the ladies to keep quiet. As I move toward the door, my flashlight dies again and refuses to come back on. Someone had broken in, and I sense they're still inside. I steel myself, then kick the door open. As I burst into the room, lightning crashes, briefly illuminating a shadowy figure crouching near the ground. Someone screams as my foot slips on the rain-slicked linoleum floor. I go sprawling forward, accidentally deploying the umbrella. The flashlight spins out of my hand, bounces off the sofa, and comes back to life as it hits the tile, framing a grisly scene. My partner, Rock Handy, standing over the bloodied, lifeless body of Emmy, the orangutan. Holy crow, you numbskull! You ever hear of knocking? I almost filled my trousers. What what the heck is going on around here? Why are you here? Murder, with a capital M. Say, close that umbrella. Don't you know that's bad luck? I scramble to my feet as someone switches on the light. For a split second, I don't know what to think. Others rush in and I lower my umbrella to the sound of Nancy's sobs. She falls to her knees and cradles the ape like some perverse paeda. Rock Handy is no murderer, that much I know for certain. And to be honest, I was glad to see him again. Emmy! No! Oh, Emmy! The window! Whoever broke in here and killed that ape is long gone. I was poking around outside and noticed the smashed window. The door was busted, so I came in and I found this. <laughs> say, Nix, listen. This ain't easy to say. Ah, applesauce. We made a mistake. We should have taken this case from the beginning, and now... We? Yeah, I know. I know. But it seems we weren't told the whole truth. Isn't that right, Miss Holstein? Or should I say Miss Rumley? You finally figured it out. I can't say I wasn't hurt that you didn't recognize me. Wait, I'm confused. What gives? Meet Miss Jane Rumley, the daughter of the world's greatest ventriloquist, Terence Rumley. What happened, Jane? You were the girl with the golden throat. The next great quest. My God, at 15, you were better than all of us. And now you've resorted to... to trained animals? An orangutan, no less? 
Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Hey, go easy, Rock. No, he's right. I was afraid. Afraid I could never live up to my father's legacy. Afraid that no matter how good I was, I would never be good enough. And I thought if I could be the best at something, something all my own, I might... I might... <laughs> That'll be Chief Blonson and his boys. I called him when I found this mess. No. <laughs> oh, can it, Handy. Come on, honey. What'd I say? Hmm. Whoever did this came in through the window. Signs of a struggle. Overturned lamp. This window is a good eight feet off the ground. These muddy footprints are all over the place. What do you make of those, Rock? Those aren't the apes, Prince. Looks like the killer was jumping around like some kind of giant rabbit. 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 Rabbit out of a hat. And wait a second, what's this? Well, well, the smoking gun. Uh, what'd you find? Right here, half under the bed, the ace of spades, his calling card. Calling card? Well, there's a whole deck of cards on the nightstand. It must have fallen during the struggle. He must have dropped it to taunt me on his way out after murdering that sweet, innocent monkey. Roddy Drake. Look, Rock, I did some digging, or I should say we did some digging. Seems a fellow named Charlton Vestibule is trying to strong-arm Nancy, or Jane, into hiring him as her manager. We need to confront him with the evidence. I'm convinced Roddy Drake had nothing to do with any of this. Hmm. That's a good point. Roddy Drake? Wait, what's that you say? Well, Tina and I have been working together. We did a lot of legwork on this case already. Legwork, eh? Hmm. What's in this barrel? Bananas. And, uh, and the killer left them untouched? Robbery could not have been the motive. Well, don't want these to go to waste. Whoever broke in here really worked the monkey over. Hmm? So, you think this Carlton vegetable killed the ape? You know, an orangutan that size is no pushover. She could have taken out Joe Lewis with one punch. They may look cute, but when threatened, these animals are terrifying. It don't add up, I tell you. Could be poison bananas for all we know. Well, there's one bright side. Looks like it's finally stopped raining. Yeah, well, that vestibule, he's involved somehow. Speaking of involved, I thought you didn't take cases unless they were puppet-related. Yeah, well, this just got personal. Besides, monkeys, puppets, what's the difference? After talking to the cops, we promise Nancy that Emmy will get a proper funeral. Rock calls in a favor with the coroner and has the apes stored at the morgue until we can arrange something. Come morning, the four of us drive to the address we dug up at City Hall. Rock is back in charge of the investigation, so subtlety is off the menu. This seems needlessly risky. Shouldn't we call the cops? No cops. Not yet, anyway. 
You get the cops involved and rats like this guy just slink away with the cheese. We need more evidence. You ladies stay in the car. This might get dangerous. Excuse me? Try that again. Okay, sorry. Tina Plotkin, please do me a favor and keep Miss Jane safe. Uh, let's go, Butternut. Yes? Charlton Vestibule? Whatever it is you're selling, I'm not buying. Rock Handy, this is Mr. Salmon. We're looking for a kangaroo carl. Australian gentleman has an animal act? He was a client of mine. Say, what's all this about? Are you cops? Uh, no, sir. We're private detectives. Yes, well, I haven't seen him for weeks. I believe he's gone back to Australia. Back to Australia? Okay, then. Have a good day. Wait a minute. You seem to have a monopoly on the animal acts in Large Neck. Do you represent any other Australian acts? Not many blokes in the bizzo. You might try the Australian embassy. Good day. Charlton begins to close the door, but I put my foot in it, keeping it open. Something he just said makes all the pieces fall into place. My bizzo. Not so fast. The note! You wrote it! Oh my goodness, look at the size of that albatross! Ah! My foot! That little weasel, stand back! Oh, Rock smashes down the door, and I catch a glimpse of Vestibule running down the stairs with Rock close behind. I yell for Tina to call the cops, but I, I'm not sure she hears me. I'm pretty sure Vestibule's dirty trick busted my big toe, but I lurch after them as fast as I can. Inside the house and down the stairs, the basement is dark. My eyes take a second to adjust. Rock, where'd he go? You blokes are gonna wanna keep very still. No sudden movements. One word from me and Wally will knock your lights out. Charlton Vestibule and Kangaroo Carl are one and the same. Add another to the list of the Australian Syndicate's vices. Animal acts. Seems Vestibule is finally using his real voice. I'm not sure if it's an Australian accent or not. Whatever it is, it sounds downright un-American. My eyes slowly adjust to the darkness, enough for me to see Wally, the titular kangaroo, menacing a statue still rock handy. Wally is six foot tall and full of muscle. The creature is outfitted with big red boxing gloves and is bouncing around like it can't wait to hit something or somebody. Undefeated middleweight champ of Canberra. The murderous Aussie emerges from the shadows with a suitcase in one hand and a forty-five in the other. He jabs the Roscoe menacingly at us as he circles his way toward the stairs. I knew the jig was up once we off that orangutan. Pity. Quite an act those two had. Right, move away from the stairs, slowly. You were Kangaroo Carl all this time. But why kill Emmy? Just because you couldn't get top billing? I do one thing, Mr. Salmon, and I do it well. Animal acts. Can't teach an old dingo new tricks. I represented them all. All except one. That bloody monkey. He galled me. Got under my skin. None of that is gonna matter anymore to you two fellas. 
Time to say good day, gentlemen. Kill him, Wally. Down, Wally. Go back in your cage. What the devil? Keep it up, Rock. That ain't me. I don't do accents. Go back in your cage, Wally. Good boy. I finally get to see Rock's ventriloquy in action. The beast hops right past Rock and back into its cage. Rock swings the door shut and locks it for good measure. Charlton doesn't seem impressed as he levels his forty-five at Rock. Have it your way, gumshoe. Oh, crikey! I'm sure! Swift justice! Good thing we came back to check on you boys. Grab his gun, Rock. Tina Plotkin. Nice shooting. You sure saved our bacon. I thought we were done for. Say, Rock, that was quite some performance back there. I told you it wasn't me. I think Miss Jane has finally found her voice. I suppose I have. When I see her on the stairs, Nancy is like a new woman. In her arms is her father's dummy, Wheezy Chortle Snort. A bespectacled monkey in a red smoking jacket with a matching fez. She may have lost a monkey, but she gained a, a monkey puppet. Like I always say, monkey, puppet, what's the difference? She was a quist now. In a way, I guess she always was. She just needed to realize it herself. We'd better call this guy an ambulance. Okay, so he's an ambulance. <laughs> say, Jane. <laughs> yes, Weezy? Where do Australians go when they die? Why, I don't know, Weezy. Where do Australians go when they die? Down under, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I'm bleeding. There's a phone upstairs. Uh, I'll call the ambulance. So much blood. Hey, Jane. Yes, Weezy? Ooh. You heard the one about the crazy Australian donkey that climbed a gum tree? Oh, my, Weezy. He sounds like a kookaburra. <laughs> <laughs> A few days after Emmy's funeral, we all get together at the Shinola Lounge to watch Jane's farewell performance before her big world tour. Rock bought us all tickets and even paid for our dinner. Porterhouse steaks, of course. Things between us are all patched up. It's like old times, except he seems a little distant. I think maybe he's gotten used to Miss Jane being around. Thank you, Large Neck, and an extra thank you to someone very special. Thanks, Uncle Rocky, for everything. Wow, what a show. What do you think, Rocky? Is she as good as I said? Better. The old man would be proud. And here she is. What a show. You really knocked him dead up there. Ah, oh, gee, thank you. It means so much to me that you all came out to see my last show. Monkey see, monkey do. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't miss it for the world. Bracing for trouble, I spot Rock's rival, the magician, Roddy Drake III, making his way over to our table. I notice he and Rock locking eyes for a second and exchanging sneers. Drake bows pompously to Jane and rises with a flourish of his cape. Bravo, madam! 
This was the finest performance in the art of gastromancy these humble eyes have witnessed in many a year. Present company included. Why, you? Well, thank you, kind sir. Roderick Drake the Third, Esquire, illusionist extraordinaire. For you, madame. Oh, heavens to Betsy. How did you... Flowers. How sweet. Thank you. Tis but a trifle, my lady. Abercrombie. Say, Miss Jane, I hear you're going out on tour. Sure am. New York, Hawaii, Duluth. Hawaii? Hey, Rock, what was the name of that club in Hawaii? Remember the night before we shipped out? Pahakahuna. Yeah, right before my USO tour. Ah, oh boy, howdy, we really whooped it up then. A toast to the finest bunch of friends. We were six days knew. out of port, off, off the coast of Borneo, when we fell into some bad weather. Thirty-foot swells. That night we woke to a horrible sound. It must have hit a reef. Of fifty-six men on board. Less than 20 of us made it to the shore of a nearby island. Mostly quists. Dummies float. The only food we could find on the island was some bananas. We gathered all we could. There must have been hundreds. <sighs> the orangutans didn't come until the second night. They, they took all they could eat. I can still hear the screaming. I must have passed out. And when, when I, I came to the next day, I, I saw a banana about thirty feet away and made my way up to it. So I pick it up, and and there was nothing left, nothing but the peel. Rescue boat didn't come for another three days. In the end, there was only maybe half a dozen bananas left. Hell of a thing. Hell of a thing. Okay. Well, that was dramatic, a very um, kind of downbeat ending. Yeah, it was a different episode. It felt like, um, I don't know if they were trying to take it in a new direction. Uh, they murdered that monkey. Didn't expect that. Yeah. Is that a crime? Uh, it didn't seem to be. Yeah, they didn't. Maybe their personal property? Uh, uh, right. It's a property crime. Sure. And there were no, well, there were puppets. There was ventriloquism, but. And there was a monkey puppet. The monkey puppet, so it's kind of that was in the form of a monkey. It almost feels like the the show is drifting from its original premise. Uh, clearly, well, they even had a different Tina Plotkin. That was a different actress reading her part. No, in the original. that was the same one. It couldn't be. Well, the voice was the same. It could have been a different one doing the voice, but that's a pretty specific voice. So it's a s- different actress using the same voice. Possibly, possibly that would be quite a feat. I. I oh, think it was they a just different Nicks though. Didn't that sound different? The Nicks sounded the same to me. Ah. Well, maybe I'll listen to it again. 
This is the first time I've heard it. Yeah, um, I've listened to it several times. It's a it's a different Tina Plotkin. Mm. Yeah. Oh well, agree to disagree. You know, there was a lot. The, another mention of presidents in here. I have a note here. Taft was mentioned, um, who was dead at the time, but uh, they had a whole bit on presidents in the other one. The, he was talking about presidents. And Nix is very patriotic, we're discovering. Oh, yeah, that's a new thing. So maybe there was like a distrust. I feel like there's a distrust of... Presidents. No, a distrust of like communists and maybe like just foreign influence. Were there any communist presidents? America? Did they have any communist presidents? I... Reagan? You might be onto something. I think that perhaps they were concerned about the communist influence in the federal government and so they're reminding people oh, of yeah. okay foreign influence with the australian syndicate sure. so don't, you can't trust anybody okay and then monkeys. you've got monkeys which Puppets. are to me they called it a monkey's uncle and then it's a, the it's ape there's tank. the ape yeah. ape distinction only rock seems to know the difference between an ape and, and a monkey the dumbest character well is he because ah, in his ah. yeah in his soliloquy there at the end where he's describing that that trauma that he Traumatic. went through that to me it was sort of like okay that maybe he's suffering from PTSD PTSD yeah and so he's kind of zoning out blanking out on all this stuff because now, what happened they, to him in the war would they have had uh, transgender people back then i mean ha- you said he's PTSD but no, I mean, post traumatic post traumatic stress disorder. That's when people have a very scary experience, and then afterwards they're very different. It's not that they want to change genders. Oh, I was thinking of PTSD, um, LGB. Right. There's a lot of letters that are being used now. So um, I wanted to ask you about that commercial at the beginning. Did you did you catch that for some product called Laura Sue, and it was soothe a powdered paste. Well, it's a powder or a paste. Yeah. Laura Soothe? No. Soothe. Soothe, like to calm something down. Laura Soothe. Laura Soothe. So it's it's a, uh, a paste, but also a powder? I think they what? sold a lot of products in powder form possibly, in those days. you're pouring it on your tongue, how could that possibly be pre- pleasant? You've heard of BC powder, right? It's like a aspirin that you just... Sure, yeah. Well, if you have a headache, you'll put anything in your mouth. Well, there's a, there's the case is you've got, uh, I think people had a lot of throat problems. Either that or they, they had more throat problems. Well, that's like saying if your hand hurts, stick it in this garbage disposal. It's it's not a pleasant, it should be a, ple- maybe a paste, kind of, but you don't pour it on your tongue. That would just make you gag. Well, sometimes by doing that where you intensify the, then you the have to feeling your on your tongue. I think that's up to the person who's taking it. Yeah, I'm more troubled by this commercial than the than the episode. The yeah, I, I was fine better. with the commercial. The commercial was fine. I just felt like that the well, they had the Italian stereotype. I mean, that was funny. You can't do that today. You can't. No, 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 no. That's offensive. Oh, are you Italian? I've talked about wanting to have a trove, and I think yeah, like yeah. A, a minimum amount of of like. I think a, a trove would be at least 12 episodes. So. Maybe a treasure trove. A treasure trove would be like 100. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know where you're getting these numbers from. But well, some of the other radio detective shows, they have like years and years worth of, of recordings. So it seems it seems unlikely that there would be just a show that was they only did three or four episodes of. Oh, yeah. No, I thought there was, I think there's probably more out there. They're, they're, they're coming in. 
I got a, an email from somebody who claims they have one, but it seemed very dubious to me because they wanted us to pay money up front. And I just, it was like, send us X number of dollars. If you're listening, if you're the person who sent this, it's extortion and uh, it's not appreciated. If you want to send us the episode, if you really care about the show, we will, we could possibly negotiate a price, I guess. I don't want to set that precedent. I don't know. It, it feels wrong to me. Um, we, Like I say, we're going to return the materials to you. No harm's going to come to it. And it's just, I, I looked into it. It's, it's extortion. All right. So again, um, find the better angels of your nature if you, if you do have an episode. Oh, and, and who, if that person is listening to this, um, send us a picture, okay? Because you haven't responded to my messages, but just send us the photograph showing us Next that you have... Next to the newspaper headline so we know it's today. I don't think that's... Or, gonna... some, or a ruler. Make sure a ruler's in the picture so we know how big it is. I think you're conflating that with another... No one's ever accused me of conflating. All right, so we better wrap things up here. I can see Gavin's truck just pulled up. Um, and uh, looks like he's going to be doing the blowing. I thought you didn't no. want him to do any blowing no, anymore. What? He can't hear you. It's too far away. Oh, yeah. I'll go out and tell him. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, wrapping things up. This has been Puppet Hunt Radio with Matt. Pup. M- Matt and Lane. Matt and Lane.